Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. Once again, that's what we aim to do. Got a hodgepodge of things I want to cover on this episode of The Secret Podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the growing internet of things and a little bit more comparison to this universal Wi-Fi reality we have as we try to wrap our minds around the fact that we are repeating something, recreating a technology that may already, in fact, be in place. It may just be so small, so tiny, or just beyond our perception that we can not see it. However, we do have access to it. I think those who have been tracking the show can speak to that as well in uh, reviewing some of your accounts as well. We are, are definitely connected to this Wi-Fi system. I also watched a movie last night with uh, my children, A Wrinkle in Time. I've never read the book. Oh my gosh! I, as I'm as sitting, I'm screaming at the TV, and I'm looking at my wife, and I'm going, "This is my book." Not that I wrote *A Wrinkle in Time*. The parallels to what I talk about on the show and what I'm writing about in my book, to the vision that the author of—I mean, I know the movies changed a little bit. I can't compare, compare the movie to the book because I've read the book, but there's so many parallels there. There's so many similarities. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. I did a little bit of digging into it. Um, really interesting stuff, and it really makes you think about a lot of different things. Uh, a few things in the news that I want to get to. We're going to start there right now. This one kind of gets me right in the feels. I'm excited about this one. This comes to us from, uh, where is this one from? Associate Free Press. Roundup Pesticide Cancer Link on Trial. This is great news. During more than a century of business, U.S., uh, agrochemical colossus Monsanto has been vilified for products critics say harm people and the environment. The first trial of its kind, a California, dying, a California man uh, dying of cancer is suing Monsanto, claiming its popular herbicide Roundup caused his disease, a case that could have sweeping ramifications. A jury on Monday is scheduled to begin hearing pitches from opposing sides with witnesses to follow. The stakes are high for Monsanto, which could face massive losses should a jury order it to pay out damages over the product, whose main ingredient is glyphosate, a substance some say is dangerously carcinogenic. Dwayne Johnson, a 46-year-old father of two, says he is sick because of contact with Roundup, which he used for two years from 2012 as a groundskeeper for the Benicia School District near San Francisco, his lawyer Timothy Lisburn told AFP. Major part of that job was spraying Roundup or Ranger Pro, a similar Monsanto product. He sprayed it 20 to 40 times per year, sometimes hundreds of gallons at a time on the school properties. In 2014, Johnson was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a cancer that affects white blood cells. No longer able to work two years later, he filed suit against Monsanto, accusing the company of hiding the dangers of its product. Keita Johnson's case will be convincing jurors that Monsanto's pesticide is to blame for the illness. His case has been expedited because he currently has only a few months to live, his lawyer said. I'm going to have the rest of this. It even goes into uh, talking about Agent Orange. You know, Monsanto's behind Agent Orange during the Vietnam War, and uh, 
the challenges faced with that, you know, with the the soldiers that were sick, and then the way that that was, uh, they weren't granted the benefits that they deserve. Monsanto has such an ugly history, um, you know, in my opinion. So I'll be curious to see how this works out. This could be a huge victory. Um, you know, they've got, I'm sure they've got millions and millions of dollars they're throwing at this. Uh, so this is a David and Goliath battle right here. But the reality is we have the potential to be just as powerful as Goliath if we stand behind David, uh, you know, with something as simple as a boycott. I don't use Roundup anymore. I use, uh, um, it's it's a mixture of like white vinegar, Epsom salt, and uh, dish soap to take out the unwanted weeds. But the other thing you got to keep in mind, a lot of things that we're told, this is the irony here, things that we're told are weeds. And I covered this probably two, two and a half years ago on the show when it was, you know, first picking it up again. We'll use Roundup, which we suspect may cause cancer. We'll use that to kill weeds such as the dandelion, which the irony here is that the dandelion root, they were doing a study in Canada a couple years back, has been shown to kill cancer cells. So you spray cancer-causing Roundup on unwanted weeds that will actually help cure cancer. It doesn't make any sense. What are we doing with this world? Now, I have them growing all over my property. You know, you can eat them as well. They're great for salads. Um, you know, you can make dry out the roots, make them in a tea. Um, you know, but where do you find the balance? I swear I get so much anxiety every spring. I'm trying to design my property on an extremely limited budget, by the way, uh, usually a low budget to no budget, where I don't have to kill stuff, where I don't have to cut the grass, where I don't have to pull things out. So I'm trying to design things where I can work with the natural landscape of uh, where I live. But, you know, to do that, some stuff needs to get pulled out. Some stuff needs to be killed. I get that. But eventually I'm going to get to the point where I don't have to do all that stuff. So I'm trying to transplant some of the dandelions that are growing in certain areas where I don't want them over to other aspects of my yard. And same thing with the plantain. Um, you know, the plantain, my, my kids, anytime they get insect bites, you know, or a bee sting or whatever, uh, you pop a piece of it in your mouth, you chew it up, and you put it right on the uh, on the, the wound or the sting, and it takes the pain away. You know, it sucks the uh, whatever, it's an astringent. Yet we want to pull these things out, throw them out, spray weed killer on them. No, transplant them. Find a spot to actually grow them and cultivate them. Let them thrive. These are things we can use. You can put them in your salad. You can eat them. They're healthy. There's health benefits to these things. We just need to take some time to look and understand what's in our, our, our yards, our properties. This is plant medicine here. Um, you know, they say, listen to the plants. The plants will talk to you. I mean, I'm, I'm learning a little bit here. But anyway, I hope Monsanto gets its ass kicked in, uh, in court. That's what I hope. Uh, what else do I have? The rest of the stories that I have here from the news are, are all relevant to what we're talking about here. You know, the, uh, the young boys, 12 young boys in uh, Thailand. I want to talk about this for a minute. We're trapped in a cave. I guess the cave was a threat. They had to go underwater. I, I I don't have cable, so I haven't been watching the news, and I'm glad that I don't get to watch the news. And uh, since being on summer vacation, uh, I'm not constantly pulling news updates like I was during the school year when I was sitting in front of my computer 24-7. Not that I'm really on vacation between real estate and kids and all that fun stuff, but I caught the gist of this story, and uh, a friend of mine sent me a, a just a Facebook blurb um, about these boys, and it says here, this is from uh, Bill Kane Photos, and what it says here is that the boys in the cave were taught meditation by their coach while they waited to be rescued. The Thai coach was asked how he could help the kids stay alive inside the cave. He said when he was a monk, he used to practice deep meditation in the cave for months. 
so he knows how to keep everyone's mind calm and how to survive in the cave. That's fascinating to me. And, and, and again, it speaks to the power of meditation. And if you don't have a meditation practice yet, it's time to begin. And, I, and there's a wealth of resources out there. Um, you know, YouTube has a ton of different things. Keep trying different methods, different approaches until you find something that works. It really helps. It really makes a difference for you out there. Um, you know, my meditations haven't been as as good as I would have liked them to be because like over the past week, just because I've got a lot going on and I, I would hope that that would, they would be better, but I'm still getting it in, even if it's five to 10 minutes in the morning uh, or in, you know, in the evening before I go to sleep. Um, and I'm definitely hitting an altered state of consciousness. I'm definitely, uh, I don't want to say I'm fully going somewhere, but there's information that's coming through for me and, and it's relaxing me and it's healing me. And I go through like a, um, an energy cleansing and a chakra, you know, cleansing and everything, just to try to keep my energy in balance as I'm going through it uh, as well. But find a meditation practice that works for you. It, it makes uh, a huge difference. It really does. Helps keep you grounded. All right, I want to start with, I want to start with talking about wrinkle in time. I, I may give some spoilers here. So if you, if you haven't seen the movie or read the book yet, uh, you have been warned. But, I had no idea what the book was, but some of my students this year, I was telling them about Food for the Archons because they asked about it, and they're like, oh, that sounds a little like Wrinkle in Time. I'm like, really? I, I thought Wrinkle in Time was like Rip Van Winkle or something. I had no idea what it was about. So in the beginning, I mean, the, 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 the people who produced this movie obviously are well-informed in, I'd say, the Gnostic texts and a lot of the spiritual stuff and the out-of-body stuff and time travel, all this stuff that we talk about here on the show. Uh, who knows? Maybe they listen to the show. <clears throat> the movie started out. The father was a scientist, and it was just so subtle. They didn't really draw a lot of attention to it. He's just talking to his daughter kind of in the background, and he has the soundboard with the sand on it. When you play certain frequencies and the sand tart starts making the sacred geometry shapes, a lot of us have seen that YouTube video showing us the, you know, the value of sound and harmonics in the universe because it the vibration causes the matter to take on certain shapes. Those certain shapes then hold, create, you know, really the material world that we see. It's all frequency and vibration. So that's how the movie started. And that was his whole principle, you know. If we can find the right tones, we can traverse time, traveling faster than the speed of light. So that was this guy's whole premise. He was using science and tones to traverse and travel the speed of light. Now... I started getting very excited because I, I covered this a lot. I've, I've been researching this. I've been writing about this in the book. So I'm like, wow, this sounds like a really interesting movie. So the premise of the, the book slash movie is father, mother are scientists, and the father one day, and they're talking about you can travel across the galaxy to other worlds without having to fly anywhere, without having to use technology. You really just can create some kind of frequency, or and you can even create that frequency he was saying through consciousness. And again, those of you that listened to the, la the show the last two weeks, I'm sure you're going to understand why I'm like screaming at the TV going, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. And I almost feel like this was, do you ever just wonder, like, is this a message for me? Like, this is a really, really odd coincidence because this is the stuff that I've been talking about and some stuff that I've been thinking about. If we can get the right frequency in our minds and hold that frequency, can we traverse? Can we go somewhere? Can we actually 
go somewhere. And this is what happened in this movie. So he he disappears. Dad disappears. He can't get back home. He's trapped. I'll get into that in a minute. So the, the daughter and the, and the son have to rescue him. And these three uh, angelic beings appear. They're, you know, goofy. It's um, played by Mindy Kaling, Oprah Winfrey, and Reese Witherspoon. They, they all did an excellent job um, playing these you know, supernatural beings that came just from out there in the universe. And they're teaching, you know, the children how to traverse and how to, you know, travel to different worlds and stuff. And just watching watching that premise there, I'm sitting there going, yes, let children see this and, and read about this and understand and have this possibility implanted in their mind. I mean, when I was a kid, my son does this now. You see something in a movie and you believe that it can be done. You go home and you try and you try and you try and try. It's not till we become adults that we say, that ah, that's not possible. Or we tell our kids, you can't do that. Why? I think anything is possible. And the more I study this, the more I, I'm, I'm believing that we can learn to do that. Now, again, go back and listen to the last two weeks' shows and you'll understand why. And that's really what this was talking about. But then it had something else, another component. So they're on this one world and they're flying and they see this darkness and it just looked like this crab slash spider web just spreading out through the sky and that is what they called the evil and this evil was spreading its reaches all throughout the universe and my first connection was like this is either the Archon's influence or AI as we've talked about on the show, AI is being dispersed throughout the universe and the Archons are being, are, are, are you know, this controlling force and whether it's AI or Archons, and a lot of people make the argument that they're one and the same. They're very logical. They're very methodical. They lack creativity. Everything, you know, it's, I forget the difference between left brain and right brain. Whichever one's not creative, whichever one is, everything's got to be structured and orderly. That's the Archon influence. You know, David Icke talks about this. That's the, the structure and the order and the systems of control. Well, I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm seeing this evidence here as I'm watching the movie. Like, all right, they, they, I think they know what they're talking about. And then there's this one scene. Again, I'm sorry for giving spoilers, but they come to a cul-de-sac in this one neighborhood. And there's like 10 kids. They're all standing in a driveway. They're all standing in their own individual driveways. And they're all bouncing a ball. But they're all bouncing at the same time. Boink. Boink, boink. So 10 kids bouncing the ball at the same time. It's creating this rhythm. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, they've got this low-frequency melodic rhythm. It's going to corrupt one of the kids, you know, one of the good kids who's there trying to save the dad. And lo and behold, next thing you know, the kid gets corrupted and becomes possessed because he goes, ah, I can't take the sound. You know, that was the next scene. But so you saw this stuff happening, you know, as I'm calling it out, Next, the next scene, it's coming, which, again, tells me that they, the writers are aware of this stuff. They, they, know, they know the same content that we cover here on the show. So I was all excited about that. But just seeing all those things come together um, really, you know, got me thinking, like, this is, this is more, more out there than we realize. A lot of times, you know, at least me, I feel like I'm alone on an island, and then I get the emails from all of you out there, which I'm so thankful for. Um, then when you see it in that capacity there, I, I got to read this book, A Wrinkle in Time. I can't believe I haven't read it yet. Um, but it just really, it, it was it was nice and refreshing to see such a, a deep concept. So I did a little bit dig, of digging 
about the author. And I found a Washington Post article written about her, March 8th, 2018. Um, and here's what it says here. There's the title. Publishers rejected her. Christians attacked her. The Deep Faith of a Wrinkle in Time author, Madeline Leengel. It took 26 publisher rejections before Madeline Leengel could get A Wrinkle in Time into print in 1962. The book was an instant hit, winning the Newbery Medal the following year. But despite its wild success, Leengel still had fierce critics, including a good number of them who disliked her book for faith reasons. While Engel considers herself a devout Christian and sprinkled the book with scriptural references, she was accused by some conservative Christians of promoting witchcraft and the occult, an accusation made later against Harry Potter and author J.K. Rowling. The religious wariness likely also contributed to some publishers' rejection of the book, but it didn't stop A Wrinkle in Time from being popular for more than 50 years after it was finally after it was finally saw the light. I'm sorry, that's what it says, and I'm sitting here yawning. Sorry about that. Here's the thing, you know, it, it's saying that these conservative Christians are mad. Now, this this from this book is Gnosticism. It's it's this secret knowledge that you know you can traverse time and travel and, and all this spiritual stuff. I'm not an expert enough to say this, but I believe that this is what Christianity originally was, and it wasn't until the doctrine was was revised and revisited, you know, to unify Rome. And, and right now, I'm being a strict echo chamber. That's how the story goes, from what I've been studying and, and researching and hearing, though. But that's when Christianity changed. That's when they lost the value of these pagan teachings. Um, you know. It had these understandings, these universal understandings and these concepts, and that's what's been lost. And I think that's what, when this force really took over and intervened and, and messed things up. So anyway, somehow she got this information into a book as a Christian. And I don't know where she's getting her information from, but it's pretty cool that she was able to pull that out of her belief system. And I think this speaks to the power of fiction. That, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, it's fiction, it's not real, it's fake, it's just entertainment. But there, you can plant ideas and concepts through fiction. I mean, Ray does a great job in Anunnaki Awakening. If you haven't read his book, you know, it's, it, you can find it at SixthSenseMedia.net uh, and Amazon and everywhere else, too. Um, read it. If you're curious about the Anunnaki, I remember when I first met Ray, I, I knew who the Anunnaki were because I watched Ancient Aliens. I think that's where I heard of them. But I didn't know much more about him. But I felt that I should. And his book is a fictional work that's so entertaining, but it's got all the stuff in there that you need to understand. Like he works in all these facts, all these things from, you know, the research that he's done into this work of fiction. So it's this, it's the same thing. You can learn from fiction. I'm working on a on a fictional piece right now uh, that explores a lot of these topics that we talk about on the show. After our Food for the Archons comes out, I hope to be able to drop that one not too long behind it. So don't discount something just because it's a, a work of fiction. I mean, you know, don't get me started on the Matrix. You know how I feel about that film. All right, so I, you know, I want to share. Uh, for those of you that reached out this week, you know, I really enjoyed your messages. I think I got back to, to just about mo- all of you. I may have one or two more I have to I write a, you know, get back to. Um, but I'm doing my best to respond to you guys because you're sharing, um, you know, your stories and your experiences. And it's just reminding me that 
this is more common than we realize. The supernatural is quite quite natural, and the paranormal is quite normal. Um, you know, but John writes in. Uh, he was he was listening to Shelley's podcast two weeks ago. Um, he said, "Love her experiences. I've jumped into other bodies as well. Some have been simply as an observer, but a few I was able to take control. One lady wasn't having it and bucked me out repeatedly. Something else I might add: once that door is open, it swings both ways. I had someone take over for a few minutes one day. At first, I simply forgot who I was." Didn't know where I was, and then I was someone else, and he was running the show. Managed to gain control, but it took about five minutes to sort out the memories. Who was who? Insane experience, but definitely confirmed the possibility of it happening in our reality. Okay, so this is one of our listeners. This is one of us out there, a fellow seeker, who's confirming what we were proposing last week and the week before that yeah, we can jump into somebody else's consciousness, but can they jump into ours as well? I suspect that's happened to me in the past. Um, you know, how often does this happen to us when we're in these states? You know, obviously the, they don't always take full control, but we gave I gave the reference. Exorcisms are on the rise. Not that these are the same thing as exorcisms, but it really sounds like it's possible to jump in and take control of somebody's body or have them take control of yours. Uh you know that I mean that's that's kind of scary, but obviously you know John was able to buck the person out, and I'm sure we can all do the same. But I think that speaks to the importance of being mindful and being aware. So if you sense some kind of takeover coming on, you'd be able to block it and prevent it from happening. You wouldn't have to lose control uh, of your body when this stuff is going on. So just something to think about. Uh, what else did I want to share? I got one more thing I wanted to share and talk about the Internet of Things. All right, two things here. This first one comes to us from NBCNews.com. It's called Smart Technology Sees Through Walls to Track and Identify People. RF Pose isn't X ray vision, but it's getting there. A group of researchers and, sci- and students at MIT have developed an intelligent radar like technology that makes it possible to see through walls to track people as they move around a development that could prove useful for monitoring the elderly or sick as well as for other applications. But that also raises privacy concerns. And I say this all the time. When this tech, when this invasive technology comes out, it's going to seem amazing. It's going to seem like it because it's going to be designed to help people. The problem is you got things like the military-industrial complex or just some sick-minded individuals, and they say, well, how can we weaponize this or how can we use this to... Make everybody more, quote, safe, which means invade your privacy even more. I I think they already have this type of tech out there anyway, but the ability to see through walls. And, and you know, I guess I am being a little bit hypocritical because I'm sitting here boasting about the, the value and the benefit of remote viewing, uh, yet complaining about this technology that can see through walls. So I get it. I'm a little bit hypocritical. But my hope is that as remote viewers, we can be ethical in our choices to view certain things and events. And I guess we could make the same argument for the tech, but tech doesn't have that great of a track record, in my opinion, uh, in terms of when this stuff gets you know weaponized and used against us. So anyway, I'll leave this article up there. Uh, you can check this out you know, in the show notes in the sixcentsmedia.net, servicechange.com, and see a little bit more about this technology that will be eventually be able to see through walls 
It's my last article here. Last thing I want to talk about for the night. It's uh, it, it's a Wall Street Journal article. It's called "All Ears Always On Listening Devices Could Soon Be Everywhere," and I suspect that they already are. Tiny microphones are moving us toward a world where all gadgets can respond to a voice command. Now, I again, I want you to refer back. I should have this one linked to the show I did called AI and Demons. And my premise of that show was to summon a demon, you have to speak the right words. To summon AI, you have to speak the right words. Now, what this article talks about here, and I'll have it for you to review, is the tech is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They have a picture of a microphone, and it's next to a pencil point, and the pencil point is bigger than this listening device. They're getting smaller, and they're embedding them in everything. Okay, trash cans. But I did a show where we talked about the microphones, or the, you know, this smart tech being embedded in your toilet, monitoring all sorts of different things. As these microphones get smaller, and they become more and more spread out throughout everything, everything's going to be wired. So right now you can tell, this article talks about, you can tell your trash can, hey, trash can, open up. And the trash can will open this lid. And then when you leave the area, it'll close the lid. Everything's going to be wired. Now, when we're studying the AI stuff, when we're talking about Sophia and you know her organization, what they talked about was the cloud that's going to store the Internet of Things. These things will have the, and they said, well, we'll keep privacy concerns in mind, but these Devices that are everywhere are going to have the ability to collect all types of data from you. They're constantly listening. So they're going to be able to collect all types of data from you, upload it to the cloud, and then immediately disseminate it out. So worst-case Terminator-type scenario, let's say you know so-and-so is spotted somewhere committing a crime against the establishment, and the little tiny mailbox on the street corner happens to observe it and film it. It sends it up to the cloud, and immediately all drones and droids throughout the world are now aware of this person and the fact that they're wanted. Okay, It's like, face. think about when Facebook, when something happens and everybody shares it right away, like somebody goes missing, immediately it's reaching like 6 million people. Well, now imagine in the movies where you see it, it's populating on billboards, it's populating on advertisements, it's, it's everywhere, everybody's getting that alert. AI is going to have that potential. You know, and, and I make that comparison thinking about this Wi-Fi world that we live in. I don't remember if I used my imagination or I just heard this somewhere, but at what point is this stuff going to be so small where it's going to simply be like in the paint and you're going to be able to paint smart paint on your walls and the walls will be able to serve as like a TV, a listening device, a communication device, all that stuff because it's going to be these self-arranging nanotech chips in them or something. I'm making this up, but at the same time, I think I've heard something like this somewhere. But it's going to be it's going to be everywhere. I mean, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, it will never not be able to be recorded because this stuff is everywhere. I, I just feel like they're reinventing what's already there. And... It sounds awesome. It sounds appealing. And it got me thinking about, like, I think it was King Solomon. I tried to do a little bit of research, but I think he was the one that went up to the cave and said, open sesame, and the cave would just magically open. 
that's this technology. I can walk up, I can walk up the door now and open all by itself, but I could wire a door, I could wire my door to Alexa. Uh, obviously I have to put, you know, some kind of motor in my door or whatever, but I can program Alexa to be connected to my home to say, Alexa, open the front door and the door will pop open. Or I can say, hey, Alexa, when I say open Sesame, make the door open. I mean, I can program that stuff. That's not, that's our current reality right now. So is that, is there old tech floating around? How small is it? What is it? Is it the crystalline structures within our blood, within our bloodstream? Is that, is that a type of nanotech? I really think that it is. I think that parts of the human body have nanotechnology already within it. What's going to happen when this new nanotechnology merges with the old nanotechnology? Really makes you wonder. All right, friends. I, uh, I beat that topic up a lot, so I, I just leaving you with your thoughts on that one. I'd love to hear what you think and, and uh, you know what you think we should do about this. Should we allow this tech to continue to develop? Is it something we want to invest in with these Internet of Things? I mean, I personally think it's a bad idea, but that's because I have an interest in going in the opposite direction. I think this is going to ultimately, although maybe super convenient in the beginning, I think it's just going to further separate us from getting to know our inner selves. I really do. All right, friends. I'm going to go ahead and uh, close out the show here. It's been uh, it's been a long week for me. It's uh, just about eleven o'clock at night, and I'm I'm going cross-eyed here. I'm about to I'm about to pass out. So, uh, shorter show tonight. But as always, send me your feedback. Listen, here's my call to action to all of you out there who listen to the show regularly. I am, you know, Ray and I are trying to expand this platform. Um, you know, some of you've reached out with with some of your stories, and I'm so appreciative. I would love for you to come on the show. Uh, or be able to read them on the air uh, for those of you that sent stuff in. Thank you. Please, in some way, shape, or form, try to interact with the content, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you see it. Give it a like. Give it a comment. Give it a, sh- a share would be great. Um, but I know a lot of us don't like to step out of that closet and share this type of stuff. But I really, I, I need your help. If, you, if you're a regular listener, something as, I, I, I hate asking for likes because it seems so trivial. But there's algorithms out there and the more engagement that we get with our content, the more people, you know, these algorithms will show it to. So we'll put stuff out there. I know a lot of you are listening and I'm so appreciative of that, but I'm not getting any engagement clicks from it. You know, or like if you're listening on iTunes and you start ranking your shows and, and giving them those those five stars or how many stars you can give them, you know, that also will then bump the ratings up and present it to other people. I want to be able to give you guys more content. I want to be able to bring you guys more guests. I want to expand this show. I, I You know, Ray and I have big ideas. In order for us to take that next big step, we really need to up our, our listenership and, uh, you know... I want all of you, this this core group of seekers out there who've been with me, you know, as this show, you know, from the beginning, I, I want to take you with me wherever we're going. Um, but we, we need to expand this platform. We need to expand our listeners. And it, it's something simple as, it, you know, again, if you can share it, that's amazing. Um, or if you can engage with wherever you, wherever you get it from. I'm not asking you to go to any additional websites, but if you can click a like button, click a com- put give us a comment or whatever, um, that helps with the algorithm. So I would really greatly appreciate that. Uh, I want to direct you to sixcentsmedia.net. 
you know, if you're doing your shopping through Amazon, there's Amazon links that are up there. There are affiliate links. Every little bit helps. Click on the bookstore. We've got some interesting books in there. We're continuing to load content in there as well. Um, you know, we get a commission of that, and that is that's just helpful to to support this show and, and uh, to SixSenseMedia.net to keep things up and running. So I want to ask that you try that. And we're going to be building more stuff in there as we're putting a store together and things of that nature. If uh, if you have a product and you're interested in sponsoring the show or the platform, please get in touch as well. Like I said, uh, every little bit helps. Um, we'll definitely give you some reasonable rates on that. I hate giving commercials like this, but you know we need your help. We need your help to uh, continue to make this grow. Lastly, uh, make sure you sign up for uh, the Seeker newsletter. Uh, the best way to do it is go to sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human, all one word. Click the book. You'll get instant access to read I am human and we are not who we think we are for free. And you'll be signed up for the weekly Seeker newsletter that gets sent right to your inbox every Sunday morning with lots of goodies from me and uh, a lot of the content that we present over at sixcentsmedia.net. So please check that out. Sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. I'm going to say it three times. Sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. Sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. I'm planning on relying heavily on that newsletter as Food for the Archons is getting ready to come out for my uh, loyal readers and subscribers. That's probably the best way where you're going to get access to you know any deals or, or promotional pieces that I'm running is going to be through the email. So uh, I highly encourage you to do that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, I am human and we're not who we think we are. It's out there, uh, you know. It, I think it'll. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you enjoy the uh, the rabbit holes we go down on this show. I'm done with my commercials. I need to go to bed, my friends. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed this show. I'm Dennis Snappy the second. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep. Open up.